Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and his cousin Jared. And the Kevin Garnett to the Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Jake. Well done. Well done. Gives you sports betting tips. I am Professor Sides. You can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my cousin Jared on Twitter at Cousin Jared. And you can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Friday, March 25th, 2022. And this episode covers today's Sweet 16 college basketball games. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. As I go through the plays, remember the A picks are the ones I love, B picks are the ones I like, and C picks are the leans. However, please remember that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Yesterday, I mean, we've had some good days. We've had some bad days. Yesterday is the day that we just, you know, let's package that baby up and figure out how to reproduce it every day, right? Yeah, yeah, nothing like not having any losses on the table. I love it. Yeah, it yeah. was great to be a, a viewer of the show yesterday, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, it's uh, like I said, and I, Jake and I were talking a little bit about this pre-show, right? I, I always say that spiel, and I and I just want to remind people, it's it. there will be bad days, there will be good days. Unfortunately, we won't go 7-0 and on the seven picks we give out every day. That's not, It's an unfortunate reality, right? I wish I could say we would, but that's, you know, I don't want you to have crazy high expectations. Don't, don't, don't take it on a second mortgage, you know, betting on every pick we have. We like our picks. We're confident in our picks, but unfortunately, we won't be able to pull that one off. But we sure will try today to do the same thing for the four games tonight. And before we get to those, a reminder, please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Subscribe or follow if you aren't yet. It's the only way to ensure you don't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. Share with a friend if you know others in the game. and Drop a comment on Twitter or YouTube. We love those and try to respond to as many as we can. Tonight, we're going to start off with another large spread. Yesterday, we started off with that big Gonzaga spread and had an upset pulled, and that was a lot of fun to watch. Today, similar situation, St. Peter's and Purdue. Purdue is a 12.5-point favorite with a total of 134. I think yesterday, we all kind of thought Arkansas had a chance to pull it off St. Peter's, no 15 seed has ever made it past this round, and I think only two have ever even gotten here before this. So uh, a lot of intrigue. It should be a fun one to see if they can pull off the ops, uh, the upset to, to kick off the night like Arkansas did. The model thinks Purdue should be favored by 12.6. That's about as close as you can get. So it's a pass on the side for me. It's a lot of points. Purdue's definitely the better team. They are going to provide some size mismatch, uh, but that's just that's too many points. So I'm staying away from the side. The total of the model thinks it should be 133. It's only a lean for me under uh, 134, so only a C pick there. Yesterday morning, this number was still at 136. So if you saw my numbers in the Google Sheet, hopefully you jumped and got that. Neither team really wants to play fast. We've long talked about how Purdue's defense has gotten better of late. They've been a pretty good under team. I had them correctly over last game against Texas, and uh, and that first game against Yale, they it was a wild first half over, and then they just stopped playing. So the fact that my numbers now flipping and saying under, I think is a good sign here that it's reacting to how Purdue is playing. I always like when you correctly get an over, and then it says come back to the under. That means it's a, it's adjusting properly, and I and I and I like that. I just don't like losing the two points of value between yesterday and today. So yesterday, if you got this at 135 and a half, 136, that's a B pick. I, now that we've lost a little bit of value, it drops to a C pick. I still think under's the right side. I still think there's going to be uh some long stretches of you know two four points at a time so still like the under just not as much at the number of 134 than 136. uh jake are you comfortable laying the points with purdue or are you going to grab those 12 and a half points with st peter's 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lay in with Purdue here. I, like, this is a new found territory for St. Peter's, right? Like, we saw that Doug Eddard gets a NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings and all this other media. So this is new territory. They're also way, way undersized. They've got two 6'10 guys on the roster, and they barely play. Um, their best big man is 6'7". He's going to be uh, Edie's chin at that height. Um, it's like, and then you've got NBA point guard and Jaden Ivey. You've got a week of prep for uh, Purdue. I mean, I know it's basically like going to a road game. It's in Philly. They're going to bring all the St. Peter's fans out and then and then add to anybody that just wants to see upset craziness. Uh, I mean, props to Shane Holloway and this team. They have actually beat these teams, not just – got lucky and got somebody hot or anything like that. They've looked like in their control. And I just, I don't, there's a reason the 15 seed hasn't gone far past this before. And I, I think it has a lot to do with all the outside it happens like in this week that they're just not prepared for and keeping their head on it. Where a team like Purdue who plays at the top of the game is used to all the media attention and all that that goes along. Yeah, and and before we get to you, because Jared, I will I will add a couple points there. Yeah, like you said, now I, I think if you took the entire student body of St. Peter's and put it in that arena, I still think there would be some empty seats. But but there will be a lot of people, a lot of fans, and a lot of people wanting to see the upset. So I think you're right; it'll be it'll be mostly a road game for Purdue, atmosphere wise. But and you talk about why the 15 seats never win. It's it's I think it's twofold. I think it's what you said was a good point about all the attention. But I think it's also whatever the 15 seat did surprised people. And now the other team has a full week to prepare for that. And so that's obviously something to consider as well. Uh, Cousin Jared, what's your take? So I've got a lean here and it's, it's very unlike me. So I'm going to kind of good cop, bad cop myself right here and right. and probably not make a decision and put it off and, <laughs> but so i'm leaning towards laying the points with purdue here that's a lot of points that's a lot of points. Uh, yeah but when i go look at the other models that the professor compares himself to really ken palm's kind of on an island here giving a lot of respect i don't know if it's respect to st peter's or disrespect to purdue making this line about 10 and a half Everybody else's 13 and a half, 15.7, 16. So there's definitely, you know, kind of a lean towards Purdue with some of these other models out there. So that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is, is I still have this image of Purdue from early in the season in my head where they would just clobber teams and score, you know, 90 points. On the other side of things, Obviously, St. Peter's got hot at the right time. We we just saw what a double-digit favorite can do last night with Gonzaga because that line got to 10 at some points. They lost outright. Um, not a, quite an apples-to-apples apples comparison there, but you see where I'm going with this. And Purdue, to to your point, hasn't been playing. As you mentioned that they've been under-team the second half of the season. They just have not been playing the same way that they – they were before so playing well but just a, a different type of basketball as the professor likes to say there's a lot of ways that st peter's can lose this game but lose it by 12 or less <sighs> my gut it just feels right laying the 12 and a half points with purdue here so that's what i'm gonna do i, I i'm gonna go with you know ken palm maybe a little bit off here you know maybe the professor's off by half a point or so here compared to everybody else 
and that laying that 12 and a half points, I'm still going to be able to get to the window. I don't feel great about it. That's a ton of points. That's very unlike me. But I just think when it comes down to it, Purdue, if they play the way that they're capable of, capable of there's no way St. Peter's just going to be able to stay on the court with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the biggest fear you have with Purdue, if you're laying the points, is that we've seen them at times just not put teams away that are beneath them in competition. That's the biggest fear. But they put Yale away. And honestly, St. Peter's and Yale are probably relatively similar. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're closer in comparison than any of the Big Ten teams probably. Yep. And if they if they put – I mean, they have the opportunity to, like you said, if, if they if they come out to play, St. Peter's just can't hang with them physically. Yep. Um, and so, and you would hope that in a Sweet 16 game that, that they're going to come out and they're going to play hard the whole time. They're going to put them away. They're not going to fall asleep. With them. Yeah, and I think having the five days to prepare helps as opposed to, you know, catching them just after one day's rest or something like that. Uh, to me, I, I think that's going to make a little bit of a difference. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, it's an interesting point you make about Ken Palm's numbers. I do believe that he adjusts uh, – when I copy and paste rankings over to help build what the other models are saying um, – I do. I've noticed that Ken Palms move a lot in the tournament. I think, for better or worse, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but he gives a lot of weight to these tournament games and in, in his numbers. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that's good or, or bad. I just yeah. I've noticed that. So I think that's. I think what's what you're seeing is the fact that uh, St. Peter's played really well those first two games, and so I think it gave. I think he gave them a huge bump compared to other models who are more treating it as just the most recent game, which gets a right. little bit more weight, but not a ton more weight. So right. um, then we've also got tipping off right after that Providence and Kansas, that'll be a seven thirty tip. Kansas is a seven and a half point favorite with a total of 141 and a half. My model makes the total 140.9. Uh, so pretty close there. This isn't a crazy first half under if you wanted to look that route like I did yesterday. Uh, but I think instead I'm going to lay the seven and a half with Kansas. Uh, the reason why at the book that we are using, uh, it's minus 103. So set minus seven and a half minus 103 is kind of equivalent to minus seven. So uh, the model thinks it should be 7.8. I'm basically essentially laying seven. It's only a C pick for me on Kansas, just a lean. This feels a lot like the Villanova game yesterday. I think that Kansas is the right side, just like I thought Villanova was the right side. I just don't love this as a full-scale unit pick because I don't think there's a ton of value in the number. And I thought, like I said, we talked about Villanova yesterday, and, and me personally, I was more confident than the than the model. Uh, Jake was more confident in it. it. I just didn't like the number there. And the same thing here, I'd feel much more comfortable if I was laying six. Um, Remy Martin has looked better every game. Uh, based off of that, I think there's a real conversation that Kansas, Villanova, and Houston are the best team remaining. I think it's a real toss-up there. Whereas I think Kansas, without him, I think is probably a notch below those other two teams. If you're worried about the Creighton game, Kansas hit 95% of the free throws in that game. So if there are late fouls, there's some confidence that they'll make them. Uh, I think rather than worrying about the Creighton game with Kansas, I think you should actually be more worried about the Providence-Richmond game. Richmond went one of 22 from three. I don't even know how that's possible. I feel like if you put me out there, I could make – I feel like I could make one of 22. Probably not two, but I could probably make one of them, right? I mean, I don't care if there's – there's. And now that I get the shot off, right? If the blocks don't count, it's not a shot attempt, right? So, so <laughs> ignore the fact that there would be people shoving it back in my face. But, I mean, I feel like I can get one of the 22, right? I, I will I will gladly eat this play if Kansas goes one of 22 or anywhere near that from three. I think Kansas' offense is uh, not going to fall apart like Richmond's did. When Providence loses, they lose big. And that's very much on the table here when their good luck runs out, which it eventually will. We just don't know when. Like I said, I just wish I was laying six rather than essentially seven. So I'm scaling the play back, back to just a lean. It's a tight number. The numbers are getting tighter. I feel like on a lot of these games, we talk about the sides. We're all very like wishy-washy because all these numbers just get really tight. So only a lean for me on Kansas. 
Jake, what do you got? Um, I'm leaning the other way. Uh, I don't like it. I just – I like, Remy Martin's been playing well, and Abaji has been kind of quiet. I mean, I know he's got – his box score numbers look good, but it's not been what he was during the middle and beginning part of the year where he was really just taking over games at, at times. And I think Providence has got the defense to hold, hold this game close um, if they come out and play. Like, I know one of 22 is an aberration, but you got to give some credit to Providence defense being, like, as good as they are. Cooley is having his best year as a coach. He's got a really good team. He's got uh, seven guys he can really depend on um, at any point, especially with Bynum coming off the bench. And they just seem to make the right plays at the right time. Um, and I know we've talked about all year with this luck thing, but sometimes that's part of it. Like we talk about Villanova does the same thing, right? Villanova makes the right plays at the right time. It seems like Providence does too for the most part. And that game, like that it makes me nervous because they took a really beaten, beaten up Creighton team and took, you know, it took some really like <laughs> some luck for them to come out of that. Um, like, cause I mean, Creighton didn't have a big guy of value and that was able to go. And I mean, Nate Watson is really good and he's been playing well. Um, of course, Al Durham, but uh, I think they've got a good chance to do it. Well, that's, and that's my, my fear with this game is Kansas seems to be a little bit like a survive in advance mode, which doesn't bode well. Laying the points. That's why I said, I wish I'd be more comfortable laying six because I think Kansas is up late. I think there's fouls. And then the question is just, do they win by four? Do they win by eight? Right. Or something like that. That's what I said. I'd be more comfortable laying a lower number just because Kansas doesn't seem to have that. Like we want to put you away and kill you type thing going. Maybe that changes today. Um, but yeah, a very, a very tight number for sure. Cousin Jared, are you going to break the tie for us or are you looking at the total? Well, the first thing that I want to ask is have I entered some sort of alternate reality where the professor uh, yeah. is laying seven and a half points and Jake is taking seven and a half points? This, this doesn't seem right. Very, feel right very Twilight Zone. I was thinking when yeah. I was writing up my notes with this, I was like, this is, this is going to be a weird show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm not going to break the tie here because I have looked this one up and down and I can't find any value from my perspective here. Uh, the only thing I would say is professor, I think you, you, you actually hit, hit the nail on the head here. Um, if you would have asked for cousin Jared's play yesterday on that Villanova game that you mentioned, I would have said Villanova Moneyline was my favorite bet on the board last night. Had a similar thought before I saw the lines today on Kansas that, that I may feel pretty good about the money line there. But yesterday, you were able to get Villanova like minus 220, minus 225, some, something in that area. This Kansas money line is out to like minus 330, and there is no way that, that I would lay that type of money uh, yeah, almost no matter how confident I was that, that Kansas was actually going to win this game. So um, no value here for me. Wish I could could break the tie here, but you know some things are just left better as is. So I mean that's if you, if you, were, you that, can make your decision here, and it's a great reminder, right? Just because there's fewer games on the board doesn't mean you have to bet all of them, right? You can just sit back and watch them. If you don't feel like you have an edge, don't go for it. If you feel like you know you've got an edge, you know fire away. But if not, you don't have to. So uh, always a good reminder there for us, their cousin Jared. The two late games, North Carolina and UCLA, should tip off around nine forty. Eastern time. UCLA is a two-point favorite with a total of 142.5. The model makes a total 142.8, so it's a pass for me on the total. Instead, I've got a B pick on UCLA minus two. And look, y'all, I'm well aware that North Carolina got ahead by more than 20 on Baylor, but did you know they almost lost that game? I just, I don't know if y'all knew that. I just have to remind, I hear a lot about how UNC got up on Baylor, but I have to, I, I don't know if anybody else watched the end of that game, but they did almost lose. 
And in fact, of all the horrible, I mean, there were horrible calls both ways. It was one of the worst drift games I've I've ever seen. And so you can, and in a game that goes to overtime, you can literally cherry pick any one of them and say, had that gone different, the game ends in regulation. Yeah. I, I get that, but I, but I am going to point out, I'm going to point out the last bad call, just because again, there were so many, but the last bad call was late in the game. There was an and one where the North Carolina got, guy got fouled long before he dunks that. If they call that on the floor, he makes both free throws. Rather than the end one, Baylor wins that by a point in regulation. And we're not even talking about North Carolina in this game. Again, there were a total of fouls every which way. I'm not saying that that's the way it should be or whatever. I'm just I'm just pointing out you can't solely focus on how good UNC looked early in that game without remembering how bad they looked being pressured. Both of those are true. UCLA's had a week to prep how they're going to handle this, and they do a lot of the same things defensively Baylor does. UCLA has been playing up-tempo of late. UCLA can handle that. They don't mind going up-tempo, and they have the ability to slow UNC down. So I think it's a really bad matchup for North Carolina team. And North Carolina team has had a great month. I don't want to take that away from them, but I think people are getting a little bit too wrapped up in the hype of how good UNC looked early in that game, building that lead. Not about the fact that UCLA is a pretty good team as well and is going to be just a matchup nightmare, in my opinion. I think two is too short. The model thinks... 3.2, 3.2, and I think UCLA wins by at least three in this one, so it's a B pick for me. Jake, what do you got? As much as I want the story of a Duke-North Carolina Final Four, yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think UCLA, I think you hit it. Like I, I think we just saw the end of Carolina's run in that second half against Baylor. Um, so the, uh, the book's out on him. Mick Cronin's a great defensive coach. He's going to be able to do re- easily repeat. Um, what uh, Baylor did, and they may not press like that, but they've got a much better uh, defense of five going right now, just because of Baylor's injuries, and they've got a little more size to battle with Baycott and Manic, because um, I, I think Juzang can guard any of them on on the court, except for maybe Baycott, and they just UCLA is so purposeful with the ball, and I, I don't think North Carolina is ready for that. I don't think they're disciplined enough to play the kind of defense they need to to get to slow down, to not slow them down, but like stop them when they need to. And with this being such a short number, it's really just a couple possessions. They forget they don't get the defensive job done, and UCLA takes off. Um, I don't, I, and especially North Carolina, who that guard play at the end of the game, like you lose love. Was it Love or Davis that fouled out? I can't remember. Who's Love? Love, so with Love fouling out, they barely could get the ball up the court with just a, a light pressure. God forbid UCLA puts any kind of real pressure on that, um, especially with Tiger Campbell being able to eat eat somebody up. That's it's going to be rough for him. I think UCLA gets it done. All right, cousin Jared. So both of these teams, uh, I, I feel like you can go back across the season and, and look at both of them and see how up and down they've been. You only have to go back to the last game of North Carolina to see how up and down they've been. There's no way that I'm taking a side in, in this game. Uh, but this is actually my favorite bet on the board tonight, the over 142 and a half here. Um, North Carolina is one of those teams that the model this year just stubbornly tried to keep playing the unders, even though it was going terribly for the model. And UCLA, I, I feel like, always had a slight over edge there. And I think they played pretty well when the model saw a slight edge on the over there. So uh, to me, this is this is easy. Um, you know, I'm taking the over here. I think you mentioned UCLA has been playing more up-tempo. Obviously, North Carolina wants to play that way. Um, that, that UNC-Baylor game, Baylor, good defense, that went over before it even got to overtime. Um, so I feel good about the over 142 and a half here. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. The The model doesn't have an edge there, but I think, and I think the interesting thing with North Carolina is that the model kept saying, oh, they're playing a little bit fast. Let's bump the totals up. But the North Carolina kept playing faster as the season yeah. went along. It's like, yeah. it's, it's kind of frustrating because it's not like they played fast all season. It's like they played fast and they played a little bit faster. They played a little bit faster and the numbers just not able to catch up. So I think, I think you're right. If you, if you force me to pick a total and set, and just knowing that I think that over is probably the right play. Uh, so you say Lake can go fast and it doesn't won't bother them one bit. And of course right. they will be purposeful with the ball. And that's why this total is only 142 and a half, right? It's not like, you know, usually they're playing a, a good defensive team, you know, or like the Akron game, right? The total right. will be much lower, but UCLA can handle the the speed and that isn't going to bother them and that they are going to be deliberate with the ball is probably not the worst thing in the world because it's not like we're having to get over a number like 150 or something like that. Right. Last game of the night, Iowa State in Miami. That should tip around 10 p.m. Eastern. Miami is a two and a half point favorite with a total of 133 the model makes this a pick em, but the model has really missed on Miami. And so I'm staying away from the side on this one. I'm not saying that the model is wrong and that it shouldn't be a pick em. I'm just commenting that when I look back at the data, I found that if I miss by this much on a team in the previous month or so, that it's just best to stay away. And so I don't have a side play here. I think that the game should be close and an interesting one to close out our night. Instead, I'm going under 133, and it's an A pick. For me, the model thinks 130.8. And look, we got both those first half unders yesterday. One game went under for the full game and one um, did not. So yesterday that was the right call, but I had specific reasons to do that. And both of those were the fact that I, I saw things in both of those matchups last night that I thought there's a chance that this game has crazy high scoring runs. And I thought it was more likely they came out slow with the new gym. And I wanted to just stay away from the second half. And that's exactly what we saw in that Duke-Texas Tech game. The right. scoring went crazy in the second half. So I was very glad to not be a part of that. And I didn't know which game it would happen in. But I thought going both first half made sense. And it did. Here I'm going full game under. Because, yes, it is still a new gym. But I don't know when the bad basketball is going to happen. I just know it's going to happen in this game. And so I want the full game because I don't want it to – it might start off a little bit higher scoring. They shake those first half totals down so low. The first half could still go over a little bit. But at some point, whether it's early or late, we're going to have some really bad and ugly basketball. And so I want the full game under. It's an A pick. I love this pick. I have the utmost faith in Iowa State frustrating Miami's offense and keeping them down. And I have – the utmost faith in Iowa State not being able to score for long stretches in this game. So I think this is going to be an ugly one. Should be tight, though. I have no idea who wins, but I think the under is your smartest investment here. Uh, Jake, which side are you on on this one? I'm, I'm riding this Miami team. This Miami team seems to be playing their best ball at the right time of year. Um, I think Iowa State has gotten a gift of a draw to get them this far. Um, get, grabbing an LSU team that really had packed it in and was done. That well, and was, uh, and I'll comment on that LSU team too. An LSU team that ahead of time it was hard to exactly know exactly where their heads were with everything, and then now you come out and I think they've already got three of their guys into the transfer portal, and it's yeah. like, yeah, in hindsight, you know, but we don't we didn't know that right unless you were talking to those yeah. players, we were speculating right, and I always yeah. caution against this. But yeah, in hindsight, for sure, those guys clearly were checked out. You saw it in the game. You see it literally. They have now checked out entering the transfer portal. I don't know that they're really deserving to be here. Um, Miami has really gone through. The gauntlet here, they've gone through a couple of really good teams, uh, especially the Auburn win. They look dominating in that Auburn win. I think it was, what, 18, 19-point game. That's um, a lot, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I really think 
this Miami team's playing at the right uh, at the right level. They're playing very well together. Larry Nagy's a good coach. He's been here. I think that's the one of the biggest differences is he him knowing how to get his team at at the right level at the right time. And with a short number, I I think they'll win this. It'll be under ten, like five. But I think Miami's got this one. All right, because Jared. Man, we're, we're just covering all of our bases here. So I'm taking the points with Iowa State in this game. I'm trusting the model saying that it should be a toss-up, get a close game, and I think two and a half points can be valuable. Uh, I know that the professor's shocked that I'm not taking the under here. I with am. Such, with such a large under edge. And, you know, th- this is where, you know, my I'm not running the model. I don't look at the guts of the model. But I just feel like those unders on Iowa State missed all season there were a couple of teams in the big 12 where the model was just always saying play the under that would have been baylor west virginia and iowa state it basically no matter what it just said play the under and i feel like i was just bitten one too many times uh, on missing the unders in those games there so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna trust the model i'm gonna take two and a half points and yeah, it's completely possible that Miami blows them out of the water. But at the same time, Miami's been real up and down all season as well. When they look good, they look really good. But they've had games that just kind of leave you scratching your head. So I'm taking the two and a half points. I'm just too scared of the total here. I think the Iowa State unders that missed were against Baylor and West Virginia. <laughs> were the only ones. Touche. But you're right. You're right. The model did not do well with Baylor totals at all. Baylor being with the injuries. The model just could not figure out exactly how they were playing it. And Drew being such a good coach, right, he handled that and adjusted how he was playing. And West Virginia, I don't really understand that one. Yeah, the model really struggled with West Virginia totals as well. Not maybe to the same extent as Navy, but how could you miss as bad as as we missed on the Navy totals? Uh, But, but Jared, you make some good points there too. And my thought on this game is that this is the highest variance game on the board with regards to who wins this. Like you said, when Miami looks great, they look great and they could easily destroy Iowa State. Or when they look bad, they don't. And Iowa State could win a game that's like, you know, we're talking about like the 55 to 40 game, you know, anything could happen really sidewise on this game and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, So yeah, lots lots of angles on that one for you. And that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. A reminder, check out that Google Sheet for predictions at that website, www.pickswiththeprofessor.com. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button to ensure all of the college basketball content for the rest of the season dropped right into your feed. We will see you tomorrow when we'll break down all the Elite Eight games. Until then, remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.